You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 109 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. Over the next three episodes, we have a huge topic to tackle and you could summarize it with three acronyms, BEPS, MLI and PE, or in proper English, Base Erosion and Profit Shifting, Multilateral Instrument and Permanent Establishments. The interplay of those three concepts is what the next three episodes will be about. Base Erosion and Profit Shifting is something that multinationals have done for decades. So the OECD and G20 try to address this through the BEPS project resulting in the multilateral instrument. But before we get more technical in the next two episodes, this episode will just look at the general concept of base erosion and profit shifting. Simon Dorovich of ANA Tax Legal Consulting in Melbourne kindly offered to do just that. He started by talking about permanent establishments. When do PEs actually come into play? Here's Simon. Wouldn't come into play for an Australian resident, so a subsidiary. Of course not. Because yes. Yeah, it, they're it already become, taxed on their yeah, worldwide income. Yeah. So, but why so do the we... question is, does the foreign resident yeah. have a PE in Australia? And the answer to that will affect how Australia can tax the income that is attributed to the PE. I think now I understand. So we have the foreign resident, we have the Australian sourced income. So from our tax law, everything is fine. We tax the Australian sourced income. But now, of course, comes the other country. They say this business, let's assume it's a company, this business is our resident, tax resident. We want to tax their worldwide income. So now we have two jurisdictions who both want to tax this Australian sourced income and hence we need to come up with some more routes and that's where the permanent establishment comes into the play. Yes, exactly right. Okay, uh, I got it. Yeah, so these, the PE, the double taxation agreement between the two countries will say, well, the country of residence, the country where the company is a resident, gets to tax their income unless it has a PE in country B, then... If it does have a PE in country B, then country B can tax the income made by that PE. And that all de depends on the double taxation agreement with that particular country? Yes. So Australia's tax treaties are based on the OECD model. The UN also publishes a model, but the OECD is certainly for Australia and other developed economies, the more influential one. So they have a, a model treaty and commentary that, that explains that treaty, but then the two countries may choose, uh, and often do, to make some alterations to that, that model treaty. And so it's important if you need to apply a treaty that you, you look at the particular treaty itself and not just assume that, well, they're all the same because there, there are, are differences. But it's the treaty that both defines what a permanent establishment is and assigns which country has the right to, to tax the income.
So BEPS stands for the Base Erosion and Profit Shifting. So all to do with different ways where multinational companies through legal or at least arguably legal ways are avoiding taxation in countries like Australia and, and the UK. Having all the income in Ireland. Exactly, yeah, yeah, or, you know, the Netherlands, or, or yeah, Cayman Islands. The G20 had a meeting and said, this is a problem. Let's ask the OECD to look into it, to identify what are the different main ways that companies are, are doing this. And that led to identifying different actions. So one action was of the avoidance of permanent establishment status as a way of, if you're doing business in Australia but you, as a non-resident but you don't have a PE, then Australia can't tax you. How a company is avoiding PE status, that's what, through artificial means, that's what Action 7 looked at. So there was a number of consultations and eventually in 2015, I believe it was, the final report was, was issued. I'm surprised that you mentioned Netherlands. I, I wasn't aware that Netherlands is a low tax country like Ireland. Uh, Netherlands is a key jurisdiction for any company that deals with you know, intellectual property because their their royalty their taxation of royalty regime is very very generous. You may have heard the phrase the the double Irish Dutch sandwich which is quite complicated, but a key part of that strategy is putting royalties through the Netherlands. The, the Dutch company owns the IP, the intellectual property, and then Australia, for example, pays heavy royalties to the Netherlands for using this IP. Hence, you have no income in Australia, but you have all the income in the Netherlands. Yeah, and this is getting into a, a transfer pricing issue as well, that Uh, one of the key ways that multinational companies are reducing their global tax bill is through paying very high royalties, holding intellectual property in countries that have low rates of tax or very generous regimes when it comes to the taxation of intellectual property, licensing that to other higher tax jurisdictions, you know, subsidiaries, group members in high tax jurisdictions, and You know, by paying high license fees, they're managing to, to shift their profits and reduce their, their global tax bill. BEPS Action 7, mm -hmm. Base Erosion Profit Shifting Action 7, that's the biggest action. I think there are 14 actions or 12 actions and Action 7 is the one where the music is? I think it's important, for sure, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the most important. Okay. But the, the whole topic of permanent establishment, that is all happening in Action 7. Yes. There are some aspects of Action 6 that will impact permanent establishments, but the focus of Action 7 is on permanent establishments. I see. And what's Action 6 about? The Action 6 contains a, a principal purpose test. So it's about getting treaty benefits where it's not appropriate to get treaty benefits. I so see. this principal purpose test looks at... Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And if you did it for the principal purpose of obtaining a benefit that the treaty gives you, mm. then 
you don't get that benefit. It sounds like part 4A. Yes. So action 6 is like the part 4A and hence it also affects action 7. Yeah. Can I ask you something completely different? Yeah. We talk about actions and we talk about articles. What's the difference between actions and articles? I first thought MLI, the multilateral instrument, was only about actions, but now I realize the MLI also has articles. It does get confusing. So the BEPS project were tasked with, their work was divided up into actions. One party was assigned Action 7 that looked at permanent establishments, another was assigned another action. So Action 7 of the BEPS project, that was the one that focused on permanent establishments and it, there was an, a final report that got issued, the Action 7 final report. Then you have the MLI and the MLI has articles. Some of the articles can be linked to recommendations or conclusions that were reached under Action 7. The MLI is the actual rule that gets implemented or not implemented? Yes, so Action 7 is how we get to the MLI, but the MLI is what the, the end result, what, what matters. I see. Okay, so we basically, we had a problem, and that problem was the base erosion and profit-shifting activities of multinational companies. So then the OECD set up a BEPS project. That BEPS project was broken up into manageable chunks, and these chunks were called actions. It went from action 1 to action 14 or so, I think. And then each working group worked on an action, and then everybody came together, a document was set up, that, that's called the multilateral instrument, and that multilateral instrument has many different articles that now address these different problem zones. And then there's also a clear rule of how this multilateral instrument is implemented, whether one country implements it or another country doesn't implement it, etc. Yeah, that summarized really well. Since so it's part four of the MLI, and that part, articles 12, 13, 14, 15 constitute part four. Those are the ones that implement Action 7, or at least they're the ones that are most focused on implementing Action 7. Welcome back. So this was a short overview to get you started. In the next episode, episode 110, Simon Dorowicz will look into the MLI Model Treaty. And since the MLI Model Treaty covers many areas and covering them all would take hours or days, he will focus on permanent establishments. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.